Welcome to the Shock Your Potential podcast with your host, Michael Sherlock. We all have potential, but sometimes we need inspiration to get us to our peak performance. Whether you are starting out in your career, ready to move up the corporate ladder, or taking the leap into entrepreneurship, Michael's guests provide powerful tools and resources to shock your potential. Shock Your Potential is a global professional development training company committed to your unique journey. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com and download our free Shock Your Potential app today. Listen in to today's expert. Thank you for joining me again on another episode of Shock Your Potential. As always, I am your host, Michael Sherlock. And all month long, we are talking about the magic of marketing. You know, that magical pixie desk that we just throw out in the air and all of a sudden our customers come a flying. All right, you know by now that's not how it works. <laughs> but I have brought together 22 amazing experts to talk about marketing, not only what they're doing, but to help us all see how to use it better in our businesses and in our lives as well. So my guest today is Jared. <laughs> Jared. See, I'm already screwing it up. I don't know how I could screw up Jared. <laughs> I'm so worried about the last name. Jared Spiewak is the founder and lead strategist of Comet Fuel. I can't wait to learn about more about the business because I love the name. It's a boutique strategy first agency that helps exceptional businesses businesses run sophisticated ROI positive, thank God, marketing campaigns to fuel long-term growth without all the typical agency BS. So I think we're going to have some pretty just clear conversations. Jared got his start in the world of marketing at the age of 14. So, you know, he's, uh, you know, been working for a while by needing to figure out how to make money online to pay for college, which he started attending at 15 years old. So clearly my guest is very lazy. <laughs> and after months of writing content for less than uh, 0.01 cent per word and working for next to free through Craigslist gigs, several real jobs. And years later, after working as a lead strategist for marketing agency and consulting company with several others, uh, he didn't really feel like he found his place. You know, like, where do you go when you're looking for the perfect place for you? And when you can't find it, what do you do? You start it instead. So his boutique agency values results, honest communication, transparency, education, and cutting through the BS. And their focus is definitely generating ROI or AKA helping his clients pay, make money. So Jared, thank you so much for joining me today. No, thank you for having me. I mean, you read that better than I ever could. <laughs> especially the part about you being so lazy because you started college at 15. <laughs> I'm like, I barely started college at 18. I'm really impressed. <laughs> so tell us in your own words, a little bit about you, your business, Comet Fuel, and how you help your clients to shock their potential. Yeah, sure. So I, I think you did uh, an incredible job of basically outlining the, the thesis of it, which is uh, essentially primarily what we do in the weeds is we do uh, SEO and Google Ads PPC. For anyone that doesn't know, SEO is ranking higher organically on Google. That is all the, you know, quote, unquote stuff and it's really free because you have to it's going to take you some money to get there but mm -hmm. uh, and then there's the paid side of things where you're paying google uh, per click per impression depending on what ad ad network you're on which also includes youtube for anyone that didn't know that google ads is also within the youtube network where mm -hmm. youtube network is within google ads really so those are the two primary um, marketing channels that we focus on helping businesses with where we're helping uh, lead generation SaaS and e-commerce businesses and we take different approaches depending on the business because they're different business models so uh, depending on your business model we'd have very different advice for you uh, now what we 
do, which is you know maybe different than some others, is that I try to take a very boutique approach. And what I mean by that is we work with a very limited number of clients at a time. We have a fairly small team that uh, we really restrict what we're doing. We spend a lot more time working on our knowledge and our skills than we do with you know just taking on a lot more business. Uh, you know, so a lot of the stuff that we do, we also apply those same techniques and practices into the other businesses that we're invested in. And we're not just you know hey let's take on a bunch of clients let's you know kind of step away you know have more salespeople than we have people actually in the weeds which a <laughs> lot of companies do because that's just not uh, what I personally believe in and then when it comes to you know not falling into the typical agency BS that's uh, I used to do I used to be an in-house employee for agencies uh, I used to do some contract work with agencies I've also consulted with a lot of agencies and ultimately just wasn't very happy with it uh, mm-hmm. just mainly because of how they kind of um, uh, come up and appear. So what I basically did is when I started my own company, I just simply outlined what do clients hate that I always hear them complaining about? What do I hate about the agency space? You know, what do people uh, say that, you know, can't be done that, you know, I think can be done and then, okay, great. That's my framework. And then I will build that then. Yeah. And I, that's so important. I think, you know, I know we'll get deeper into actually what you do, but the statement you just made, I think is really compelling where you stopped and you asked people, what do you hate about the agencies you're working with? doesn't mean they're bad, but there's always something that's not right. You know, what are they complaining about? So what are their pain points? And when you really try and start a new business that you're trying to address, you know, something that hasn't been done, the best place to start is where there's other pain points and you know, you can go in there and you can not only um, find that niche, but dominate that niche. Exactly. And, you know, and I think that's a really good point is that uh, with, with being boutique, we have one of the greatest things that we can really do is we have full control over who we do and do not work with mm-hmm. because us being able to pay the bills isn't the difference of us being able to take on, you know, 20, 30 different clients a month. We could, I mean, we could take on no extra clients for, you know, you know, months, maybe even years, still be, you know, perfectly fine. You know, at some point you know, we're going to inevitably have to take somebody on, but we have full control where we can, uh, you know, just like how a client wants to make sure that they're working with the right agency, we want to make sure that we're working with the right client that one, we believe in their business, which is mm-hmm. something that is very important for me because um, ultimately I just have no interest in promoting businesses that I don't think are good businesses or good companies or you know, whatever it may be, for example, with, mm-hmm. uh, with the, everything happening with the uh, pandemic. There's been a lot of price gouging and everyone's into the PPE now. And we, I got bombarded with so many companies reaching out of all those companies that reached out, some of them having ridiculous budgets because they just spent, you know, hundred grand getting a bunch of masks that they now have to, you know, sell to people, you know, ridiculous markups, you know, out of mm. everybody that reached out, only one was even worth talking to and we still didn't move forward with them. So that's something that I personally value quite a bit is mm. being able to uh, decide basically who we actually work with companies that we believe in, but also making sure that, um, you know, as a good friend of mine once put it, that we're betting on winning horses yeah. that, you know, we're not just, um, you know, taking on somebody because it's, Oh, we like the industry. And because we, uh, you know, we like the people, but also, you know, uh, is this business going to be around in two years because it's, marketing isn't the only thing that determines how big your business gets. You can have great marketing, but if you know there are issues with the business, it's not going to grow and we're not going to retain that client for as long. So uh, really to me, one of the biggest things about being boutique is that we have the full ability to take on who we want, but also at the same time as the team, we take on who we want. We don't have to constantly be hiring people that, you know, just to fulfill on the work. You know, as you were talking, I'll share a quick story with you. Once upon a time, I, um, 
I had a client. So this was when I was doing medical consulting, medical practice consulting, and I had a client and the, um, the physician of the practice, the owner of the practice, wonderful man, love him as a friend to this day, just wonderful man. Um, and he brought me on to help, uh, you know, turn, make his practice more profitable. The only problem was, is the people who worked for him did not want to implement what what I had planned. And so I would fly across the country and I would spend, you know, a week and I'd get them all go you know, going and he'd be so excited and they'd pretend they were excited. And I'd fly back. And by the next Monday, they're like, yeah, we're not going to do any of that. And so finally, after a year, I said to him, I go, look, um, I'm firing you as a client. <laughs> and he said, what? And I said, you know, I love you I dearly, but um, your team is not going to do what they need to do. And you're not going to hold them accountable to it, which means that number one, my reputation is at stake here. Mm -hmm. And number two, I have now become your most expensive therapist. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'll listen to all your business woes, but it's not worth your time and money. And uh, it was really an interesting dynamic to be able to say, you know, this is not going to work because you're not ready for it. And it's not because you're bad or you're wrong or your team's bad or wrong, but you're not ready for it. And when you said, you know, bet betting on the winning horse, that is kind of a, you know, thing that was kind of in the back of my head. Like if you guys aren't going to win and succeed at this, not only do I not want to waste my time or reputation, but you're, you're not taking advantage. You know, you have the opportunity to win this race, but if you're not, if you don't care about winning the race, then why, why spend the money and the energy and the frustration just to get there. And I, I would imagine that you've faced the same thing with clients, even some that maybe you bring on that, you know, you think they're the right, you like their idea, you like their product or service, but when it gets into it, when you get into the weeds, they, they're not ready to stay in the weeds there with you. Do you have that happen every once in a while? Oh, for sure. I think, I mean, uh, about 90, maybe 95% of what comes to us, we don't take past step one or sometimes even get to step one just because we know right away it's not gonna it's not gonna make sense. I one of the things that I really like and you know this is only viable for so long depending on how we structure things is that you know I'm getting on discovery calls still and I'm still the primary person doing that or my business partner is, is doing that which has a very similar skill set to myself. And we're able to look at it not from the angle of uh, account managers or salespeople or um, or just even as marketers, which, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. But right. one of the things that we, I, that I think is an advantage of us is that, you know, we both have the experience of owning and running a business. We're going to see things about those owners and understand their style of how they run a business. We understand uh, how profitability works. We understand the accounting and finance as things. We understand that we have a great marketing system, but if they don't know how to manage their cash flow, it's not going to work and their marketing campaign could cause them to go out of business. Mm -hmm. um, so we're able to kind of see all these things and understand, you know, do they understand the market that they're in? Do they understand, you know, business in and of itself? Do they have the ability to hire people? Sometimes we're working with clients and they have horrible hiring practices. And then, you know, their hires are the reason why, you know, they're not meeting their goals. Mm -hmm. So I really try to look at it from yeah. The full scope of things, and it's something that I talk about quite a bit, is looking uh, looking way beyond just your clicks and conversions when it comes to your marketing, primarily because what you're ultimately looking for is profit. And mm -hmm. when you're looking that far down the road, you need to look at everything that constitutes, you know, what makes that up, which is, uh, you know, let's say you're in the e-com space, it's going to be, let's say you're running ads, what are, you, what are you paying per click? What's your conversion mm -hmm. rate? But also there's a bunch of things that determine your conversion rate, including like your branding, your, reputa your reputation, et cetera. So a lot of outside other marketing channels affect that. But also what is your average order value? 
retention rate on those customers? What is your gross profit? What is your net profit? You know, if the company's profiting hundred grand a month, but the owner's taking out 95 grand in the dis- distribution one bad month and they're out of business or so they're taking out a loan, right. you know, even though that has nothing to do with what we're doing, if that's something that we see, well, we're out of there because we know that you know, one slightly bad month and that business is screwed. Right. That's a really good point. And I think for people listening too, especially my solopreneurs, entrepreneurs, and small business owners that are listening, that is really, that's really important is that there's not one size fix all of your problems. Um, that if you're, you know, if you're bringing on a, a, you know, a marketing partner like your company, or you're bringing on an HR partner, or, you know, you're looking at, um, you know, adding a new team member, that it, every time you're ready to do something to scale up, it's a great time to reflect on the health, overall health and vitality of your business, because the long-term longevity, as well as your short-term profitability, depends on being able to look at those things honestly. And that's not always easy for business owners to do. <laughs> not, not only is it uh, not easy, but um, sometimes it's just completely ignored or not even recognized that that's something that that is important where, you know, everybody loves having meetings with their in-house marketing team or their in-house marketing team talking with the people that they've hired to, you know, handle a certain channel. And everybody's always having meetings of how can we lower our cost per click? How can we increase our conversion rate? Where my question is, you know, how often do you have meetings about, uh, how can we increase our average order value? How can we negotiate higher, uh, you know, uh, more deals with our distributors so that we can get our products in for a cheaper price? And if we lower our gross or uh, increase our gross margin from 50 to 65% because we just became more efficient, we found a different supplier, we have a different supply chain, whatever it may be. Well, guess what? Your marketing just became more profitable. Not mm-hmm. only that, but you can afford to have a higher customer acquisition cost or CAC, which then allows you to bid on things and, you know, dominate competitors in a way that you couldn't beforehand. So every single aspect of the business that ends with profitability, you know, determines that how often do you, you know, are you spending $10,000 a month on software that you bought years ago that your employees don't even use anymore because they trialed it. And then you put in the credit card information you forgot. How often do you sit down with your account and look at your net profit? Mm-hmm. And if you can do that, you, uh, you know, it can skyrocket. And I say that because I've done things like that from in 2019, uh, we were looking at about, uh, 22, 23% net profit somewhere around there. In mm-hmm. December, I was like, you know, for the agency space, that's not terrible, but I felt as though we could do a lot better. So I learned everything I could about cash flow management. This year, we've averaged, well, 2020, we averaged about 30% with some months being in the 40%. Nice. And we have more cash. Not only have we been able to have we been able to, uh, you know, spend more money on things that matter? Not only have we been able to increase distributions, increase um, profitability, bring on tools that allow us to automate some things that we couldn't beforehand, but we're more profitable, also a lot more efficient because of it. And I can tell you down to the penny how much we can spend in certain areas, how much money we could have disappear and not really notice it within the account and still be fine for X amount of months. And that, you know, we could, everything could go to zero today and we'd be fine for multiple years because of the cash flow that we've been able to build up. And so because of that, we've been able to make much more efficient plays. And um, ultimately, you know, when, when we have clients that understand some of this stuff that really excites us, because mm-hmm. we know that the client isn't just going to be looking at, okay, how can I drop the cost per click from eight cents to seven cents? They're going to be looking at, well, is it too competitive for us to drop it by eight cents to seven cents? That's a pretty minor change. But if we can make minor changes on our conversion rate by running our CRO testing on our product pages, if we can also get somebody to look at our email funnel and really uh, 
uh, optimize our email marketing, we're going to be able to increase our lifetime value, but also our conversion rate of people there. If we can also create a lead magnet on our blog posts, instead of just sending people to a page for SEO reasons and then converting them later on, mm-hmm. if we can actually do something and tie in that with our remarketing on our Facebook ads that then makes our Google ads more profitable. So whenever we see stuff like that, that really excites us because we know we're not just, um, you know, we're working with someone that we're actually collaborating with mm-hmm. and not just someone who's basically dictating, you know, get that lower, get that conversion rate higher, et cetera, which you can only make so much progress on where you're then not paying attention to, you know, the other 80% of the business that you can make progress on. Right. You know, I don't know if you've thought about this and it's, you know, kind of odd just in the middle of our podcast interview, but as you were talking and I was taking notes, I was thinking these would be incredible, like mini courses that you could, you know, offer to you know, not just your clients, but clients that are, you know, potential clients or thinking about working with you where, you know, not only could be, that be a nice, another, you know, uh, you know, money generator, a revenue generator, but it also could almost be a pre-qualifier to working with other clients, because if you know, they've gone through things like, well, you know, is your goal to reduce your uh, cost per click? Well, before you answer that question, take our little mini course on this, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so by the time you get some of these people and they've said, okay, so we've, we realized that we really actually need to, yes, we want to reduce our cost per click and we want to increase our conversion per click, but we also know that we needed to increase our, our conversion from, you know, prospect to sale. And here's what we did and how's we improved it. I mean, those, those are things that I think, um, you know, are so important for a business to understand that, that the health of um, the overall business is not just driven by having better marketing or better marketing results. It is about all those pieces, but not everybody um, has tools or resources to know how to look at that from their own business perspective. I don't know. Do you guys do, have you done anything like that? We'll do a little bit. One of the, uh, one of the challenges is even with existing clients, uh, some people never want to get those numbers up. Some people never even want to know what those numbers are. Um, <laughs> so true. You know, I think some people are just afraid of what they'll actually, you know, find if they look under the bed sort of thing. Yep. Um, but when we, when we take clients on, what we'll do is we'll go through uh, a process and we'll look at, okay, you know, uh, what is your, uh, you know, here's what we estimate your cost per click to be, or if you're already running ads, here's what, you know, here's what it currently is. What's your lifetime value? What's your gross margin? We create essentially a matrix of like, here's what it is. And here's what happens if you, adjust any of these different areas um, where, okay, great. Well, your average order value is this and your lifetime value is, you know, $400, but or short-term value because we'll uh, you factor in, if this is a whole other thing that we could talk about for an hour, um, but lifetime value um, is really overstated because if it takes you four years to attain that lifetime value, you have to have the cash flow to front that four years, especially yes. if you're, you know, it could be six months into your profit, which means you have to have the cash flow to sustain yourself for the six months. So typically I look at what I call the short term value, which is depending on the business model and depending on how old the business is, the quote unquote lifetime value over a three, six or 12 month period for bigger mm-hmm. businesses. You know, if you're Walmart, you know, the famous Walmart strategy of going into an area, having your prices lowered yep. than everybody else until everybody else is out of business, go millions of dollars in the hole, but then, you know, you're the only business that's yep. great if you're walmart but not if you're a startup with 10 grand in the bank you know it's right. just not going to work where you no. need to have you're looking at what's going to happen in the next two months not in the next two years yeah. um so that's my whole uh you know extra thing there but we are looking at the lifetime value and we're looking at things like okay uh we just did this yesterday we're like okay well this would be a really low cost per click and this is what your current conversion rate is because they hadn't run ads before. And so we we're kind of guesstimating a little bit based off of some data what the cost per click would be. And we had this matrix and we're looking at it and we're like, this is actually very difficult for you to be profitable on. Yet we know your competitors are running ads. 
So there's an issue somewhere where yeah. if your competitors are paying this per click, there's either an issue where your conversion rate is a lot lower than competitors. There's an issue with your average order value is lower than competitors. There's an issue with your lifetime value, or there's an issue with gross margins. And we can only do so much on the cost per click side of things. Uh, this is for an e-com store. So we, uh, we, uh, if we're doing landing pages and we uh, run tests there, but it's e-com stores so is a little bit more complicated. Um, but you know, there's only so much we can do on that front where, you know, if you can only pay $10 to get a customer and your competitor can pay $25, yeah. you're going to have a very low chance of actual success because they're just simply going to, um, you know, dominate you. Yeah, dominate you. only has so much room for so many advertisers. And if you're really on the low end and everybody else is doing better for you, you have the shorthand of the stick and you need to find where, um, you know, fix the well, not the sink. Look at where, you know, most, you know, focus on the, on the pipe that has burst, not the one that's, you know, slowly dripping, you know, one drop every three days. Um, so if you can figure that out where it turns out, oh, well, we don't get our, our lifetime value so low because we're an e-commerce store and we don't do much with remarketing and we don't do much with email marketing and we don't do much with SMS marketing and mm -hmm. we don't do push notifications, push notifications that I actually hate, but you know, you're not doing anything to actually get people to come back to your store. Well, of course, they're not making a whole lot of orders versus your competitor who has, uh, you know, super sophisticated Infusionsoft setups or, you know, Salesforce setups or, you know, they have, uh, you know, they have an actual funnel. They're getting people back to their store. They're getting people to repeat an order every week, every month, every couple of months, whatever it may be. And you're getting an initial sale and that's it. Of course, they're going to be able to outspend you. Of course, you're not going to be able to compete with that because whatever you're willing to pay, they're willing to pay five times more. And who's yeah. the ad platform going to prefer? Yep. And I, I love it. I actually wrote down, fix the well, not the sink. <laughs> that, that is, I mean, I think that's really, really important because it's easy to see the, the water coming out of the sink or the pipe. Um, and th there may be a leak there as well, but sometimes, you know, maybe the pressure was too high before, or you've get, you, you have to search deeper uh, to find more. Uh, fascinating. Jared, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to hear from our sponsor and we'll be right back. Solopreneurs and small businesses often struggle to create effective digital marketing programs. It's hard to know where to start, what to prioritize, how to sift through confusing information and solutions that seem too good to be true. Agencies and full-time marketing employees are also expensive. And Marketing You is a modern marketing course with all the tools, education, and accountability you need to grow your business without that extra set of hands or high overhead costs. At And Marketing You, you will learn exactly what you need to do to execute a concrete marketing strategy by dedicating just two to four hours per week. And Marketing You will help you to execute strategy, messaging, content marketing, SEO, social media, paid digital advertising, and more. You'll have access to on-demand resources, live courses, group coaching sessions, community forums, and networking, plus the exact templates and tools you need for success. I took this course myself, and one of the greatest benefits we gained was learning to develop a competitive strategy that aligned our social media playbook and website to generate highly qualified leads. For all the tools, education, and accountability you need to grow your small business at a fraction of the cost of hiring a traditional agency or additional employee, go to www.and-marketing.com forward slash you. Again, that's www.and-marketing.com forward slash you. And use the code SHOCK to receive 10% off of any program.
And we are back with Jared Spiewak, and we are talking about um, so many fascinating things. I've taken so many notes about, you know, really understanding that, you know, marketing for a business is about so much more than just having the greatest ad. It's really about taking a look at all the pieces. And so all month long, I know I kind of joke about it that, you know, the title of the series is The Magic of Marketing, but, you know, which sounds like it, it should just be, we wake up and it's gloriously things are happening without any effort. But we know the reality is marketing takes, uh, you know, systems, it takes approach, it takes diligent uh, work, a lot of hard work. And so I've asked all my guests this month to share some top tips on how any of us can, you know, maximize, uh, you know, our, our marketing, how can, we can do better, what things that we should keep in mind to really take our businesses to the next level. Sure. So there's a, there's three main things I would say. One is basically what we've talked up into them to this point, uh, really map out everything that matters in the process based on what you're actually going for. Most likely you're going for profit, map out every single step that goes from there. And if you can get even deeper, don't just say conversion rate, what matters for your conversion rate? You know, it matters the, the UX of the website, the load speed of the website, the design of the website, so the aesthetics of the site, your email marketing, et cetera. And you can look at those individually as well. So that's one thing is looking at the entire ecosystem, if you will, of your business that actually generates your, your profit and focus on fixing wherever the biggest leak is. Mm-hmm. Next is tracking. I cannot tell you how often I can talk to businesses sometimes that make tens of millions of dollars a year and know nothing about the marketing because they don't have the most basic tracking set up. Mm-hmm. You should be tracking from click to dollar. This is something that is very understated in the small business for small businesses is overstated for medium businesses and then kind of um, is better understood for enterprise businesses. And let me explain. So smaller businesses no tracking whatsoever a lot of the times. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're doing lead generation, you can track if somebody visits your website on their computer, they take out their phone and they call it, you can track back to wherever they found your website. You can use something like CallRail, DNI, it'll run you about 45 bucks a month. It's worth it. You should not be spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on marketing if you're not willing to spend $45 to figure out what it's actually doing for you. So that's first. Form tracking, you can basically do for free through like Google Analytics, Google Tag Manager, a million mm-hmm. and one um, guides uh, out there to help you do that. Uh, so for e-commerce, you should also be tracking customers, how you're getting them, when they're coming back, so on and so forth. We should be attributing the customer back to the actual click. So for example, let's say you're doing email marketing. Something that a lot of people don't do is with your forms, you can have a hidden form field. And so what you can do is you can, within your uh, URL, you can set up what's called a URL parameter. So you've ever visited a website has like a question mark and then a massive string of characters, right. usually used for tracking purposes or for dynamic page rendering, uh, depending on what you're doing. But something that a lot of people have heard of before is our UTM codes. You see this a lot with Google, if you've ever done email marketing, Google will suggest you use UTM codes to tie that back into Google Analytics. You can see what email they actually came to your website from. You can set up a parameter to be anything. So you can set up your parameter to say, um, look at the UTM source within my URL and automatically fill in this form field. And that form field then tells you where that person came and found you. So you can see, figure out what source the user came from when they filled out that form. Now that doesn't mean how they converted necessarily, but you can then go back and say, okay, we were spending money on display ads on Google. How many of our email subscribers actually came in from those display ads? You can have that tracked. On the lead generation side of things, if you're using something like CallRail, and you can do the same thing with like your uh, contact forms as well for the tracking of the source, but then within your CRM, which you should definitely have, you can then import that information either through an automatic API integration or sometimes it's easier stuff than others, but then you can have, okay, this is how somebody found us. And so then you can track how many customers did you get, tie that back to the actual source as well. So tracking from click to dollar is really important. Now, what I mentioned is that 
for smaller businesses, this is really understated, where they don't have a lot to set up, and it is incredibly easy to do. Um, you know, I just helped a, a business set up where they're running ads on their website, and they wanted to know the difference between somebody coming in and making a purchase from ads versus organic because the purchase is done on a third-party website that they can't control. Mm-hmm. So in about 10 minutes, we set up a simple tracking code that would allow them to basically figure that out. It, it wasn't rocket science, and there's plenty of guides how to do that. If you talk to anybody fairly technical, you'll, technically, you'll generally find out they're a technical or a creative marketer. Any half-decent technical marketer should be able to set this up for you or at least communicate to a developer how to set this up. Mm-hmm. So for small businesses, this is massively understated because a lot of the tracking is very easy and simple and fast to set up. And it's also not that expensive. If you're spending two grand a month on advertising, you shouldn't worry about spending 150 bucks a month on tracking if that advertising is actually working for you. Right. Medium-sized businesses, sometimes it becomes overstated where we want to know every, you know, down to the penny and we only look at that. Mm-hmm. Something simply can't be tracked. And this is where the bigger businesses understand because you typically see bigger businesses making branding plays and willing to do things that can't be tracked. For example, this podcast, I cannot track if somebody watches this podcast and then they don't click on a link on your website. They just type in my name and they find my personal website. I'm not going right. to know how they did that. They right. save that URL and you know, a couple months later, they remember it. They sign up for an email list. The tracking code is the cookie's gone. I'm not going to know how they found my email list. They're then on my list and they find my agency website. I might be able to connect the email to the agency website, but I'm going to be looking at that. My analytics are going to tell me, you know, they came to my website from direct traffic. And so I might say, okay, they probably searched for my name. So they're probably somebody who already knew me that I already met or whatever it may be, but I wouldn't be able to tie it back to this podcast necessarily. Right, right. And so that's where the medium-sized businesses, I feel, get uh, overstate the tracking where, uh, you know, you might not realize that your Facebook ads convert people even though nobody clicks on the ads and converts is because you're remarketing ads, just remind them that you exist. And then they search for that type of product again. And then your ad shows up first. And then either consciously or unconsciously, they choose to click on your ad because they recognize the name and psychology has proven that humans tend to gravitate towards things that are familiar to them. Yes. And so then they click on your ad and then they purchase and you go, okay, great. Our Google ads are working. Our Facebook ads aren't. You turn off your Facebook ads and your Google ads suddenly aren't as profitable anymore. Right. This is is why... um, you know, uh, you know, Coke still runs ads, even though everybody knows what Coke is. Everybody, you know, that's interested in soda has probably tried it, not because they're worried about you going to the store then and making a purchase. It's so that the next time you're walking down the aisle, you remember the Coke logo last rather than Pepsi. And so right. it's a little more familiar to you. So that's the bigger businesses kind of understand that a little bit more. And they're willing to make those plays where medium size, you can get three, you have the tracking, but then sometimes we talk to them about uh, public relations or podcasting and things like that. They're not interested because you can't track down to the click. And that's something that is kind of learned over time. Some are better than others, but that's typically what I say on the tracking front. Oh and my God. It's amazing. Finally, <laughs> what I would say is that uh, strategy and I'll, and I'll be brief here for, um, for time's sake. So this doesn't turn out to a four hour thing, but <laughs> a, a lot of, uh, a lot of companies uh, just simply don't have a strategy. Uh, yes. Keywords are not a strategy. Uh, figuring out what states to advertising is not a strategy. That is, you know, that's keyword research. Step five to ten, at least. Uh, a strategy is sitting down and figuring out what market segments that you have, mm-hmm. how you can map those market segments to the actual advertising channel, and then creating your ads and you're doing your keyword research around those actual uh, market segments. For example. Uh, we were working with a therapist, uh, you know, a lot of therapists, they don't take insurance. So people have to be able to pay their hourly rate. This one was very expensive in New York city. 
So we basically what we had to do is we knew for the strategy side of things, we can't just target people looking for a therapist. We can't just target people who um, are in New York because there's plenty of areas that make a lot of money. There's plenty of areas that don't make a lot of money. Right. The cost right. of living in New York, like I'm in New Hampshire, you could live fine off of like two and a half, three grand a month. You're not going to live fancily, but you'll be okay. In New York, you'll be lucky to get a cardboard box for three grand a month. Absolutely. So what we did was we downloaded the U.S. Census data. We exported that. We used uh, Google BigQuery because we're able to just, it's like 14 million cells. So like Google Sheets can't handle that. We then segmented that. Uh, it uses SQL, so it's a database. We exported that into Google Sheets. We then took all the uh, zip codes of where they are, which is uh, in New York City, the three different counties that they can target. We then created uh, four different uh, ranges of income. We then mapped all those different zip codes by income levels, and then we created a bidding strategy around those income levels because that was the most important part of their actual ad campaign is targeting people who were then specific income levels and determining how much we're willing to pay per click based on the median income of that individual zip code. So wow. that's where the strategy comes in. Uh, another example is the display. If, uh, if let's say you are a, um, a CPA, for example, and you're like, okay, great. Uh, I advertise to businesses. You're going to get a very generic ad. You're going to get generic right. keyword research. Now, let's say you're in a state that uh, recreational marijuana just became available. You want to dive into that, which they have a lot of regulations, 280 mm -hmm. and basically if you're in uh, if you're in the cannabis space, you can't actually write off any of your products because you can't write off class uh, schedule one drugs as an expense. And so the accountants have to be very specialized and have to know how to uh, get around that. I can't tell I've worked in the space before. I was so. going to say, wow, I didn't know <laughs> so, all this. I'm taking so, even more notes. <laughs> and so basically we know that, okay, great. We're targeting people who are in the cannabis space. I probably don't know all the specific regulations because even the IRS isn't very clear. The way that the accountants are going about it is that, well, the IRS doesn't say we can't use this other tax code to write it off this way. So I guess we'll use that until we're told that we can't. Mm -hmm. um, so that's part of the industry right now. But uh, essentially if we know that, okay, great, we're targeting people who have starting a cannabis business. A lot of them are going to be 18 to 35. Who, you know, they've this is probably something that they were already into before it was legal, and now they're starting their business in a space that they already know. They don't. They have limited business knowledge. They're on the younger side of things. Well, guess what? We're going to create an ad that's specifically targeting that age group. That's specifically targeting the interest that those people would have. That the image and the copy of that ad is going to be targeted to that person, and we're going to have campaigns dedicated to that one segment before we've even done any keyword research because. Right. The segmentation of that, that audience, that strategy that we have actually have from those different cohorts or those different audience segment types that we're going after is going to drive way more results than a really well thought out keyword research. Uh, mm -hmm. So keyword research, that's like step five, like our interest targeting on the display network or what YouTube channels we're going to target. That's, you know, that's step five. First, we need to figure out, you know, what's different about this business, what's unique, translate that into an ad strategy. Basically what we're doing is we're extracting everything we can figure out about this business, about their customers, and then transcribing that into the ad world. If the business doesn't know much about their customers or their own business, their ads are going to suck. If they know right. every tiny detail, their ads are going to be the greatest thing you've ever seen. Right. Good God. There's so much into this. My hands hurting from taking notes, Jared. <laughs> it's, it, this is really brilliant. You, I'm, I can see not only your expertise in this, but your passion for this, because at the end of the day, and you've said it so many times um, in different ways. And I think that's definitely going to be the show title is um, tracing click to dollar, because if you do it right and you 
uh, you have done all this research and you've really prepped, then you will create the right ads. You will create the right reason for a click through and that will result in increased profitability. And isn't at the end of the day, that's the goal. So this is amazing. I love it. Yeah, you're, exactly um, right. you're right. We could talk about this forever. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, oh my gosh, my, again, my hand is hurting. Um, we're going to have all of your contact information on our show notes, but just in case somebody wants to find you right now, cause they're like, this is the guy in the agency for me. What's the best way for them to find you? Yeah. So you can go to Comet, C-O-M-E-T, fuel, F-U-E-L.com. So cometfuel.com. Uh, pretty standard website contact page. You want to go about that way. If there's a blog on there, if you want to read about that, some free swipe files you can download if you want to do that. Um, so comfuel.com should basically link you to you know, anything you want to see. I love it. And before we go, Jared, do you have any last words of wisdom or pearls of advice for my listeners and viewers? Um, honestly, the biggest thing I would say is just take it seriously. That's uh, I'd say that's one of the biggest things that I, that I see is, yeah. Uh, uh, it's not uncommon. In fact, I'm more surprised when somebody hasn't worked with a couple agencies beforehand and hasn't had you know mixed experiences. You know, sometimes, uh, you know, there's it's more of a communication issue than it is a results issue, or communications why there wasn't results. But ultimately, uh, a lot of the times, you know, hey, I worked with whoever was the cheapest, or you know, I didn't do any research into what I was hiring. Sometimes I find someone who's been advertising for years and they don't even know how it works. They don't know the basics of what they're doing. They don't know how to log into any of their accounts because it's just like, all right, cool. Here's this marketing thing. Let me go and do this. Even yeah. if it works, I can almost guarantee it can be a lot more profitable. But I'll, what I'll finish with is this, is that we started working with a family lawyer based in Las Vegas. So fairly competitive market. Mm. We've been advertising for a while. Uh, they've been in business for well over 20 years. So they know what they're doing. Uh, their conversion rate was about 10, 15% on Google ads. Uh, not bad, nothing worth writing home about, but it's where you kind of expect within just maybe four or five, maybe six or seven months, uh, we average now about a 35% conversion rate in the lead wow. generation space where we're going right for the kill of you, which is we're saying, okay, great. You're looking for a lawyer, give them your contact information or call us. We're not like here, download this lead magnet sort of thing. Some individual weeks we have over 50 conversion rates simply because we actually took the time to figure out what we're actually doing and we can now undercut just just about everybody else regardless of how much more experience or knowledge or budget that they have because they just didn't they basically started with step five rather than step one ah that's brilliant jared thank you so much you have uh, shared some incredible information here and it has been fascinating thank you so much for sharing your knowledge with us it has been an absolute pleasure having you as a guest today thank you for having me on Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Shock Your Potential podcast. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com, including details on Michael's two best-selling books. Tell me more, how to ask the right questions and get the most out of your employees, and sales mixology, why the most potent sales and customer experiences follow a recipe for success. Make sure to check out our Shock Your Potential app, on-demand professional training resources to help you excel in your career. And as always, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and like us today.